one of the things the screenwriter was saying is that she had interviewed a woman who everyone in the office said, oh yeah, she's successful because she's sleeping with the boss. Mm -hmm. And the woman broke down sobbing at lunch and said, I'm not sleeping with the boss, but this is the rumor that he's spread about me. And this is why I'm so unpopular at this workplace. And so that was the basis for Dolly Parton's character of, of Dory Lee. Kathleen M. Newman, a regular with us here on Labor Goes to the Movies, continuing our conversation from last week's episode, based on one of those 10 best labor film lists that pop up from time to time. Kathy is a professor of English, literary, and cultural studies at Carnegie Mellon University. Today we're joined by Tom Zaniello, who's written a number of books on labor films, and of course, my co-host, Elise Bryant. I'm Chris Garlock. Here's the show. Tom Zangello has joined us. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Tom. I just flew in the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were talking about nine to five. And uh, so this is at least five. from that list of films and got off into, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Do summarize it. I can't. <laughs> I mean, one thing I just wanted to quickly bring in about nine to five is, um, uh, Michael Denning, uh, who writes about labor and culture, wrote about the kind of the the different labor streams that the three women actresses represent. Jane Fonda, daughter of Henry Ford, who played Tom, J- D- the Depression era Tom Joad in Grapes of Wrath. Um, Henry Fonda, Henry Fonda. Yeah, Henry Fonda. Lily Tomlin is the daughter of Detroit migrants from Kentucky, and mm-hmm. her father was a toolmaker in a brass factory. And then Dolly Parton as the daughter of Tennessee sharecroppers. So, yeah. so thinking about them as sort of representing um, these different elements of the real working class of the 1970s and 1980s. So I just thought it was interesting to think about how they represent these different archetypes um, and come for, and each of them come from different kinds of working class backgrounds. Yeah. And also the, the, I think that the idea of turning the murdering the boss into a fantasy works because I'm also a pacifist, but also in, in terms of working as a support staff person, um, I, I sat with a group of women who were from uh, a union. It was the first time they were uh, invited to join their union on a staff retreat. And so I said, well, let's take a fishbowl moment and have these women come into the circle and tell us what they think. And I had just taken a class on organizing and it said, ask people what they're angry about. So I said to these women, what are you angry about? Now they're sitting in front of their bosses and the people they work for, right? And they, to a woman said, I'm not angry. Oh no, 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 I'm not angry. No, not at all. I said, Oh, and I, th- and I thought, okay, okay, I work as a secretary. Let me ask you this question. What drives you crazy? Oh, oh, and ah. then, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. They uh-huh. and went on about what drove them crazy. And that's what happens in this film, right? It's like, this is what drives me crazy. And you can't talk about it. You can't, you got to be calm and cool and all that. And even though you're the backbone of the freaking organization, you're not allowed to express anger. Yeah, I, what a great what a great question, Elise, and that you were able to get them to get in touch with their anger 
through through the through like the the more permissible door of annoyance right yes. what what drives me crazy and i i think that's i think that's great and one of the things the screenwriter was saying is that she had interviewed a woman who everyone in the office said oh yeah she's successful because she's sleeping with the boss <laughs> and the woman broke down sobbing at lunch and said i'm not sleeping with the boss but this is the rumor that he's spread about me and this is why i'm so unpopular at this workplace oh, and yeah. so that was the basis for dolly parton's character of of dory lee that makes perfect sense it was commonly said if a woman in the labor movement advanced in any way it was because she was sleeping with the president the vice president the treasurer whatever you could not have gotten there on your own yeah and i would say to people how do you know what is your where's your evidence you make this assumption because i had talked to the women who said i didn't sleep with the boss yeah doesn't hurt to look like dolly parton though i mean they the one I mean, of the stills from the film they are all so gorgeous and uh it, it's yeah, they, their star power at the time, I think, allowed them to make a, a film that really did have a, a surprising amount of feminism. Right. Otherwise, more, it would be completely ignored. Yeah, more, than, <laughs> more than Hollywood would normally allow. If you think Absolutely. about this as being, you know, not that far from Fatal Attraction and, you know, some of those other uh, films. Uh, Waiting like for Mr. Goodbar? Oh, my God. Uh. Oh, Awful. that film, that film killed me. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, they were raving about it. Oh, it was so good. And I, I was like, oh, no, 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 this is not good. This is not, no. Uh -uh. What you're telling me is that I'm not allowed to be on the streets alone because I'm going to end up dead. Mm -hmm. Period. It's not even, it's not even a metaphor. I mean, it's, no. <laughs> it's not even a metaphor. Yeah, very, very interesting. That's a flip side, right? So for your issues to get handled, it has to be metaphor, it has to be fantasy, but we will just kill all kinds of women on screen. It's fine. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Hey, Tom, are you still there? We want to find out did you, any 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 films on on this uh, on this list that particularly jumped out or things that should have been on the list? Since you uh, no, 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 I thought it was fine. I don't have it in front of me right now. However, um, so I'm, you're, you're challenging my memory, but, uh, my reaction was that they were, it was fine. I mean, we should talk about, um, support the girls, which we also showed in the, uh, in the film fest. Um, and I just want I, I was curious about, um, I don't know, I don't know who else has seen support the girls. I haven't seen it. Oh, wow. Okay. Then we won't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you can talk about it. No, it's it's uh it's I really wanted to get Elise's and Kathleen's reaction to it as 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 women. It's a very interesting yeah. in, in yeah. the context of the conversation we were just having, because it's a much more modern take on these same issues. Uh -huh. Um, but we'll wait until you guys have seen that. Um uh and then you know, I just I, I think we should talk a little bit about modern times just because it's such a classic, and I think. It, it it holds up. We've we've certainly shown. I think most labor film festivals have shown it. But I, I sometimes feels like it's it's almost you know I'm, I'm sure it's on the you know on the hundred best film you know films of all time list and all that. Um, but it's almost become a museum piece, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, there's always a problem when it's a classic because you don't want people to feel it, to see it out of obligation <laughs> or, or, or that. Um, but I think once, once people watch it, they're charmed. Is that the right word? I don't know. I mean, these are movies that people don't watch anymore anyway. So any uh, exposure to it is probably a good thing. I mean, I'm trying to be uh, philosophical. <laughs> we, have, we have room for philosophy in this podcast. No, Kathleen. I, don't, I don't think so, but that's all right. <laughs> Kathleen? Oh, boy. I, I mean, I, mean I, it's a film that I don't think I saw until I got interested in labor film. Uh, but I, 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 it is charming. I, and I think it is. It, it was incredibly political film. Um, I think, you know, Chaplin um, also paid a price for his politics. His passport was revoked. Um, you know, I mean, I think he is probably one of the most uh, powerful leftists in Hollywood in the first half of the 20, 20th century. Um, there's a, 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 a mantra here at Carnegie Mellon, and it's um, from our, our benefactor, Andrew Carnegie. And the mantra is, my heart is in the work. And I always picture Charlie Chaplin in modern times stuck in the gears. Like that's always like, I'm thinking that my heart is like literally stuck in the gears of work. I think it's a, it's a very problematic mantra. Uh, but I think that Chaplin really is representing the new conditions of work in industrialization and the way the laborer's body is, is truly uh, kind of inside of the machine. Um, and that this represents uh, a, a new kind of work for, for global labor in this period. So I, I think it's a very significant representation. Well, I think you need to remind folks a little bit about uh, Andrew, speaking of museum pieces, but you know, who Andrew Carnegie was. I mean, he was one of the original robber barons, if I, if I remember correctly, yes? He is. He um, is the steel magnet. He and Rockefeller together were, were, the, were the biggest um, uh, benefactors of that period, but they were also the ones who amassed the most uh, capital to themselves. And what Carnegie's the most well-known for in Pittsburgh is for hiring Pinkertons to attack strikers in 1892. And he left it to his business partner, Henry Clay Frick, to deal with the strike. And he sailed off to Scotland. Um, and workers and Pinkertons were both killed in that battle. And the, it was so successful in keeping the union out that steel did not unionize until the radical 1930s. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm looking at that picture of, of Chaplin in, in the gears that you were talking about. And it is, it is, it is one of those images that, that it just, as you say, immediately encapsulates. I think even for today's workers who have a different kind of gear that they're that they're stuck in and I'm, I'm thinking about the Starbucks workers I'm thinking about the tech workers um, although it'd be, it would be difficult to uh, you know <laughs> a Starbucks worker might not have the same sort of visual 
maybe maybe some somebody could do something with that uh, and I, you know maybe maybe uh, you know the uh, the Bruce Riley film does that in a sense yeah well I was thinking speaking of uh, is it intro vision that in that time he actually went through the gears right I mean they had to create this set yes they did well he's actually moving through those parts it's not it's not they're not projecting on a blue screen this is, this is actually him doing it so you know he was that very physical comedy that was that was a part of the whole you know uh extension of theater in vaudeville and that went into silent film and i and i think that's one of the reasons why it still works is that he is himself just a remarkable actor uh that is able to convey with before this without without voice of what was going on. So that, that takes a whole different energy than, um, than being a, 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 just a screen actor. Because this is my prejudice against screen actors versus just, actors who start theater and then go to screen. The screen <laughs> speaks, speaks to theater person. That's okay. You're allowed to be that way. All right. Thank you. Thank is it? You. Is it? Is it modern times? There's there's a very famous scene of Charlie where he's he's in the street and the uh, you know of course this is great that this is a black and white film but the the red flag that hangs off the back of the, the lumber truck falls off and he picks it up and he's running after the yeah. he's running after the truck and of course you know goes around the corner and just winds up in the front you know leading the mob is that from am I remembering is that from modern times or is that from a different okay that that is okay. Yeah, he's a, he's an accidental revolutionary. Just it's it's a brilliant piece, uh, and that you know I think does to your point, Kathleen. You know, does show. You know, he he even though he became so powerful and so wealthy, he just always seemed like a kind of a more working class. Certainly, working class came from working class, and and I don't think ever really lost that. He and a number of other stars from early silent films created their own independent production companies. So they were trying to sort of own their own labor um, and they were successful to varying degrees. Um, uh, but, but I, yeah, I, I do respond to that film because he 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 just puts all the issues in it that I think we're we're still we're still dealing with in many ways. Oh yeah, Amazon. That's what comes. Hundred percent. Yeah. I I wanted to bring up I a film that I had never seen but I got really interested in, which was Newsies. Oh. And I didn't oh. know about the strike. I didn't know that there was a strike of newsboys in the in 1899, and I was reading about the director uh, uh, Ortega, whose dad was a factory worker, and he said, "I took this project on because I related to the theme." Mm. Um, and he was, I one of the things I argue in that essay that Chris was alluding to is that it's very rare for working class people to end up as directors, but he did it through dance. He was a dance star and a choreographer and then um, had the huge success with Dirty Dancing. And then that's how he ended up getting the job as the director for Newsies. Ah, but the okay. film 
took $15 million to make and only earned 3 million at the box office. It was a complete flop, but it took them nine months to make it. They were in, re they were in rehearsal for about four months of the film alone. So they, they, they poured all this money and energy into it and the cast loved making it. It was such a kind of a solidarity experience for them. And then 20 years later, it was readapted for Broadway and became a successful Broadway musical. Um, but in 1992, that, that Disney thinks it can make money from a musical about a strike of newsboys is completely fascinating. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm very excited about this film right now. In my, uh, in my memory, um, the advertising, <clears throat> excuse me, the advertising campaign um, was designed to bring kids to the movies. And I, I think that was not going to be easy to do. I mean, kids don't go to movies about strikes. Kids don't even know what a newsie is. Um, their parents might, and not all of them would. Know. Bells ringing. Is that you or me? <laughs> um, so I think there was a, um, not a failure of nerve, maybe, uh, but a, a failure of finding the right uh, uh, magic advertising button, and they never and they never found it. Uh, although I love the film, and I'm just talking about it now, makes me want to see it again. Um, well, and it, it it brings me back to one of the things that I've really enjoyed about watching um, both uh, Ten Percent and Call My Agent because. There are times, and we've all talked about this, when you're sitting there watching a film, you're thinking, how the hell? I mean, because we all know the amount of money it takes. I mean, the, the, the hundreds and hundreds of people, because we're all people who sit through the credits, right? So we, you know, we know what it takes to make a film. It's not like somebody was sitting in a room writing a book, you know, and, and then sends it off to an agent and that's it. You know, it takes a huge amount of money, a huge amount of time, a huge amount of people. And then you sit here and you watch this movie and you're thinking, how the hell did this happen, right? I mean, it's, you know, and so, so one of the things that, that one of the joys to me of watching, you know, anytime that there's a film that, you know, and they can be, I think they're sort of denigrated as self-referential when Hollywood makes movies about itself. But I love getting these, these looks behind, behind the, the screen because we don't, we don't get that many uh, looks. And when we do, they tend to be not, you know, very realistic. And one of the things I like about these two particular shows uh, is that it does feel, particularly the French version, the issues, and there's a lot of worker issues that come up, as you can imagine, because, I mean, everything, you know, because it's all negotiated. Nobody does nothing without it being negotiated. Everything is negotiated um, down to things like what you're talking about, Tom, you know, those posters don't happen by accident. People, people make those decisions or, or, or uh, at least, you know, that, that pajama game poster that, you know, somebody didn't just dash that off. People probably whole departments made that. And that to me is what is, you know, when you look at think, really, everybody signed off on this. <laughs> the other thing about Newsies, uh, which is what us types uh, obsess about is that people go to see the film and they learn that there was a giant trolley man strike. And that's right. That was, that's right. And that was the who heard whoever heard of a trolley man strike. What's a trolley? <laughs> yeah. And uh, again, this is another problem. And, and I don't know if it's a failure in communication. People don't know what trolley men are <laughs> anymore. And uh, 
and barely knew about it when this film came out. But that that's what these that's what these good films do. Even if the film itself is not excellent, it brings up uh, pieces of of, uh, of labor history that even the pros have forgotten or never knew about. So we need to wrap up, and I think Elise has a has a wrap up question for everybody, right, Elise? Yeah, Chris, you want to remind me what it is? <laughs> question <laughs> or you? <laughs> We're going to ask folks uh, if there's anything that they're. Uh, I've already tipped my hand in terms of what I'm watching, which I think is labor effort. But so things things that you all are are, are watching or have on your short list that we should be looking out for that will probably be topics for a future podcast. Hmm. Could, could be, could be, I mean, because there's so many, it doesn't have to be in the theaters, um, you know, but could be a series, could be, uh, could be a YouTube video. I don't know. Could be a TikTok, although I don't watch those. Well, we don't admit it usually, but we're watching a Danish uh, TV series called Rita, R-I-T-A. Um, yeah. I've and seen it all. I've seen the whole thing. It's great. Oh, you have, huh? So oh, yeah. you're obsessed about sex too. In any case, uh, the the interaction uh, and control of the of the school is really what the series is about. The series is about how both both Danish teenagers and their teachers are having sex all the time. That's what the film's about. The series is about. But the subtext is the control of the space between the mayor's office, the principals, the teachers, the students. And that make that makes it an additional fascination for us when we're not watching people making out. Yeah, we actually no. I mean, and if you watch the whole series, there's as it goes on, there's actually the the sex part drops out, and it really does have more focus. Uh, it's a very interesting look into a completely different educational system. That's, I mean, they the, the teachers have much much more power uh in in that country than than here it's it's fascinating uh yeah, coming, yeah. Uh, to see and, that and i think american um americans would do well to watch it just to see uh a teacher show up at some parent's house and say stop what you're doing that's stupid and my job is a teacher. what's your job is it my job is a teacher to protect children from their parents <laughs> Can you imagine how that would that, how that would go over with our MAGA that folks? That would be a real pick, <laughs> a real picketer song, let me tell you. But you couldn't do that here because people have guns, man. Yeah, you're not even allowed to teach about racism in America. Hey, hey, we don't have that, Kathleen. Have you not got that memo? <laughs> it's all taken care of. We're all good. All right, what do you what do you, what, what's what's uh what's what what are you watching? What what should we be looking for? I mean, I wanted to talk about the working class uh, politics of, of Elvis's life and the Elvis Oh, that's biopic. right. Yes, um, please. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, Elvis was a truck driver. He did grow up incredibly poor. His dad went to prison for forging a check. He received a check for $4 and he added a one to it and cashed it for $14 and went to prison. God. Um, and so, and the movie really like squeezes, squeezes all of that juice. So I enjoyed it. Um, uh, and I do think it, it, it didn't fully give credit to um, the black radio station, WDIA that first played, that was one of the first radio stations to play Elvis, but BB King does appear as a character and it probably shows a friendship between them 
that was a little bit more than it was, but Elvis did perform at WDIA's charity benefit every year um, early in his career. So he did have um, an authentic connection to uh, the the black musicians uh, that were that were that that were part of of Beale Street and that part of Memphis. So I really enjoyed that film. So I, I, I would just say my um, I, I'm always conflicted about buys, right? I I, I waited years to see um, Gatsby because you know you he you you just you you have to he he just comes at you so hard. Right. I mean, you can't. I, I, lo I love I, him. I, I, I mean, I'm, that, well, that's that's my conflicted, right? Because the thing is that it, you you have to give yourself over to him. You you don't you can't just passively receive a Baz Luhrmann film, right? I mean, you have to strap in for the ride. And I have to say that, like when I did finally see Gatsby, I was like, oh hell yeah! yeah. But you know, I had to be ready for it. Um, but he he just, I mean, they talk about throwing everything but the kitchen sink. I mean, but, yeah, I, I I would love. Are there any documentaries on, on Baz Luhrmann making films? Because that would be fascinating. I mean, I, I just that's a great idea. Yeah. I just he 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 literally he he just he just tries to cram everything in. There is nothing that he won't try and say. And and he was, I don't know if he was the first one. And this used to really piss me off to, to 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 just put completely inappropriate music in. I mean, not period music, just 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 jam in stuff that he liked. And I'm trying. I think it was Moulin Rouge where I first saw that, and I hated it the first time I saw it. I just like I like the music, I like the movie, but what the hell are these two things doing together? Um, but... Well, I I think it. I think Elvis is worth checking out. Okay, I have one question though. Why wasn't Matewan on this list or Norma Ray? I think they were trying to, to choose things that were easy to stream. I think that was, and also I think they were kind of like, I think this was a counterintuitive list. It was things you hadn't heard of. And honestly, I hadn't heard a lot of these movies. So we're all labor culture people. So if they have a bunch of movies that I've never even heard of, like Brassed Off and- Brassed Off, um, Brassed Off. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. but yeah, Mate One and what was the other one you just said, Elise? Uh, oh yeah, Norma Ray. Like those, I do think those are movies that most people like us have heard of. So it, it was an original list, I think, even if it maybe isn't the list that we all would have put together. Of course, I got it. No, and I think I think I think your other point is is correct. Also, that I think uh, Mate One because I know when we showed Mate One. Um, I think it's their 30th anniversary. It had been, we, we had wanted to show it for years. I think like going back to the 20th anniversary and it was out of circulation and there was, there was a whole backstory we won't get into, but it was, it was not available. Um, and it wasn't until the 30th anniversary when they did a reissue that it became, and even now I think it's probably, I don't think it streams uh, now. And which does bring up this whole other thing that we touched on earlier about, you know, where films are and how they're getting walled up these various collections. Um, but I, I, that was my feeling too, was that they, that they were trying to, you know, program some different stuff, but also they were, because they're, they're listing where stuff is available. I'd have to do a check, but I, I don't think either of those films are, uh, are available. Yeah. I just looked, made one is not available for streaming right now. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. I love this. You missed it, didn't you, Elise? <laughs> Elise, what are you watching right now? 
Yeah. I only watch what Chris tells me to watch. <laughs> Why? It's true. It's true. It's true. I don't watch television on a regular basis. Uh, I do try to go to the movies as much as possible. Uh, so when Chris tells me something, that's when I, I watch. Uh, I will tell you that the, on my shortlist probably for this weekend is uh, is Nope, which I, 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 I hope is a labor film, but I think is probably not. Um, it's the latest film from Kathleen. Help me out here. Um, oh, I, from Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele. Yeah. Oh, who knows what'll be in there? It's I'm a, it's a, it's a sci-fi western. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's crazy. Oh, Chris, there'll be workers. There'll be workers in it. Don't worry. That's what I figure, right? I mean, you know. I'm going to see it tomorrow. There you go. All right. Well, we may have to reconvene. We may have to TSA workers loved Get Out. It, really? Yes, yes, yes. When I was going to the airport. And... Wait, wait, wait. So, because? Because the guy, his best friend, uh, the main central character in Get Out is a TSA. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was so yeah, focused on the good. other stuff, I completely forgot that. Yeah, that he is a really pivotal character, especially. He is. He is. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a, great. That's oh, a, yeah. The great TSA worker representation. <laughs> I just it. skated right over it. That's awesome. All right, so I that's... go to them, get out, and they go. Ah! <laughs> all right, that's everybody's homework. Is go uh, every. We should all go uh, watch Nope and see if we can find a labor angle. Then we can talk about it. <laughs> Got it. Hi, Captain. Amazing. Hey. I, we can find a labor angle anywhere. That's our. That's our superpower. <laughs> <laughs> thank you kathleen thank you tom yeah it was so nice okay. to see everybody bye. sorry sorry i was so late nope bye we'll see you next time all right take care bye-bye okay. take care bye-bye kathleen m newman professor of english literary and cultural studies at carnegie mellon university and tom zaniello who's written a number of books on labor films including my favorite working stiffs union maids reds and riffraff Tune in next week when Elise and I will chat with 9to5 co-founder Ellen Cassidy. She's got a great new book out, Working 9to5, A Woman's Movement, A Labor Union, and The Iconic Movie. We never saw movies when I was a kid. And then when I was a teenager, I decided I had to go on a desensitization campaign of my own where I just went to movie, 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 movie. And I was so vulnerable to them because I just hadn't built up my defenses. So when something horrible happened, I was, it was like it was happening to me. So um, that is kind of faded, but yeah, I love movies now. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.